Welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from the leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now, here are your hosts, Joel Harder and True Null. To put it into a consumable level, Netflix actually has an original movie. I don't know if you've heard of this or seen this. Now, it's called The Mitchells, something about The Mitchells. But it's the, the whole premise, and I'll, I'll synopsize it here in two seconds. But the whole principle is somebody creates a social media algorithm called PAL, and PAL takes over the world. In terms of algorithm, you know, bad bad data, right? Kind of the crux that leads to the demise of it is it they've got this, like, really ugly, the family dog is this really ugly pug dog that kind of looks like it's fat and kind of looks like a pig. And so every time the, you know, the robots that are coming to attack the family, see the, the family dog, they go dog, pig, dog, pig, dog, pig, dog, pig. And then they just blow up, right? It's like system <laughs> overload and they can't yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Um, the whole premise of that is that people just became so blindly dependent on all, you know, all these different things that, that ultimately these algorithms were algorithms were telling them to your point, if we don't, aren't assessing it, it there, there are detrimental impacts. It's that's real, man. If if I didn't have Google Maps, I wouldn't be able to leave my house. Right? <laughs> right. I, get, yeah. I get lost in my driveway without Google Maps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, that's a, that's a, those are algorithms. You but, know, and this yeah. is another yeah. uh, somewhat of a tangent. I actually read a article in I think it was the Economist talking about how the sense of navigation it, it has historically been a very important part of human development. So the, your ability to understand where you are geographically, spatially located in your community, in your town, in your village, and your ability to, to get from place to place, that was an important part of our actual human development. And we're kind of losing it now because we're so overly dependent on Google Maps. That's kind of an interesting, like maybe a really negative human consequence of a really useful tool. But that's the yeah, and, that's, and same that's with social media. I mean, we we we're lacking good solid relationships because we have relationships with too many people. Well, because and, of social yes. media, and this and this yes. gets to why I think that your TED talk was so timely and spot on and needs to be heard, and this conversation needs to keep happening. It's going to take an aha moment of self awareness that these things are happening. Because all of these algorithms are have been introduced into our lives as, in very helpful ways. They've been introduced into our user experience, into our daily digital consumption in ways that are designed to benefit us and to help us and to make decisions easier to happen. And you can tell that people are thinking about problems, real problems that people have, and, and they're launching new algorithms and new things to try and address it. I just I noticed both on Netflix and on Amazon Prime now, it'll give you a screen, you know, choose something for me. Because they know that it's starting to get out there, especially after, after COVID, that People spend an hour, you know, browsing titles and watching trailers and don't ever actually watch anything. And so they just so they're trying to create this. OK, we'll just click this button and watch something. And I saw an Internet meme and it was great. It was I wish somebody would create an algorithm where like me and my spouse can both swipe left and swipe right on things we'd want to watch or not want to watch. And then it would suggest something based upon that, because I got to tell you, 
even though, and we have parental controls and we have content filters on all of our accounts, but I am a mid thirties man. And I, I get inappropriate stuff pop up in my Facebook feed all the time. And I'm constantly having to report stuff and say, I don't want to see that stuff. And the first time I saw that it scared the crap out of me. I'm like, even though we've got content filters <laughs> on our accounts, I'm like, don't push that button. I don't know what's going to come up because I, I also know that I'm in the demographic that they may suggest something that I, well, I don't want to watch. I got kids in the room, you know, and, and, I, and I, I don't want to watch period, but I don't want to, I don't want to pop up on the screen. And, and it, it, so it's probably, it's probably playing on your bias, Joel. It knows you've got a bias. <laughs> well, but, 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 but this gets to, so Corey, where I want to get to with this is, and get you to, to talk a little bit about this. Cause I think it gets to the point of, of your Ted talk too, is these things are introduced to bring benefit into our lives, to make our lives easier, to make, to make decisions that we clearly are struggling to make. What am I going to watch? And so they're being introduced in ways that, oh, well, that certainly made that easy. So it's going to take a level of effort to bring that kind of human oversight and actually consider why am I only getting men uh, applicants? Why is that the only thing that's making its way through this filter? How do we begin to do that? Two ways. The I, I'm beginning. I've been really uh, encouraged, and I, I was supposed to do this TED talk a year ago, mm-hmm. and in the last year, this issue has just blown up. The talks about facial recognition cameras and do we need those things, and should those things be in our lives? Do we want those things in our airports and our schools and on the borders and our malls? And a lot of people are saying no. You have cities like San Francisco that have banned them. You have Amazon and a few others that Amazon, one, I'm trying to remember one big company said they weren't even going to do facial recognition. I think Amazon said that they were going to uh, table it. They're going to do a moratorium on it and, and kind of look at the, should we be building facial recognition cameras? We talk about Netflix, a great Netflix documentary just dropped called Coded Bias. Mm. And I'd encourage uh, anyone to go out and see it. It's a lot of this uh, stuff we're talking about is a part of that documentary. It follows Joy Balmwini, who's an MIT Media Labs researcher, and she's the founder of the Algorithmic Justice League. And she was the one. She went out and studied these facial analysis algorithms, and she saw that they were misidentifying women of color, darker skinned women, many more times than lighter skinned men. And it was a huge just moment when it comes to algorithmic bias. So I've been encouraged by the chatter, by people who are recognizing that this is a problem and they are starting to do stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Because no algorithm's designed for, it wasn't designed to be by, like no programmer or designers sitting up there in Mountain View and putting their fingers together and laughing, ha, 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 I, I got them, I got them. Yeah, no, they were, these algorithms were designed for good, but they can inherit bad things. Or, I mean, again, some algorithms were designed, social media algorithms is a good thing, that they were designed to give you exactly the content that you want. Right. Probably not, but I don't think, I don't think the designers intended for you know, the Pandora's box that they opened. So that's one thing. The design 
aspect is a huge deal. You know, I, Jack Dorsey was on the founder of Twitter. He was on uh, The Daily. Mm-hmm. And Michael Barbaro, the host, asked him, you know, what would you have done differently? And he said, I would have hired an ethicist. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would have had an ethicist on staff when we built Twitter. We need ethicists when we're building these platforms. That needs to come into mind because these platforms were built. Let's just make money. Right. I mean, there's a mission, yeah. but let's serve the mission, whether that's connecting people, if you're Facebook or whatever. But mostly it's about money. Yeah. We need to design these algorithms with how is that going to impact people and how is that going to impact communities? And then we have to give those communities an opportunity to say, I don't like that. I don't like this. If police are using predictive police algorithms to help them decide where to police, the communities that the police police need to be given a forum to say, hey, I don't like that. And I don't think you should do that. Walk, walk us through that yeah. part of your TED Talk. Again, to get to that aha moment, I think sometimes when you put in such practical terms how these algorithms play out in everyday life in society, and we are all very well aware of the difficulty and the controversy and instances of tragedy around Mm -hmm. community policing and how that's happening. You really laid that out so well in your TED Talk. You talked about how they are deciding where to send resources. Walk, Walk us through that real quick. The police are using these algorithms, essentially to help them decide where are we going to police. Mm-hmm. But the algorithm doesn't necessarily understand if an arrest was unjust, unfair. It, it just sees an arrest and it's going to bring put police where it believes the crime is at. But mm-hmm. it, again, with the historical bias, the algorithm doesn't understand that this historically is where police sent resources. Therefore, that's where they made arrests and therefore that's where they sent more resources the algorithm doesn't understand that. So it, it is going to send resources, police resources into those communities. And then it's, it's justifying the over-policing of these communities. And it's giving legitimization to these communities. Because, again, police go, well, the algorithm made the decision. We didn't make the decision. The yeah. algorithm did. And the algorithm's not biased. You know, the algorithm's yeah. just computer code. How can it be biased? Yeah, well, you're going to make more arrests where you have more people. It's just right. it's a numbers game at that point, right? So, so then the algorithms say, yeah, there's more crime there because you had more arrests. Well, you had more arrests because you had more resources there, and now mm-hmm. we're sending more resources. So it's just going to continue to to justify itself, right? Yeah, exactly. And and the, and the yeah. police they're trying to lean into these tools because they're they have limited resources and they're trying to mm-hmm. decide yep. where to send limited resources. But that's why I, I wanted us to kind of I wanted you to share that because there is whether you want to call altruistic or reasonable motivation behind wanting to incorporate these kinds of things. This is where it once it gets actually played out into the marketplace, into the community, where it can go and have very negative, tragic results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the facial recognition cameras is another example of that. When when you're misidentified or they fail to identify you, 
a police officer or you know law enforcement is going to come and say, who are you? Or maybe it's a security guard at a mall. It's going to say, who are you? Why are you here? We all know those encounters. They, yeah, they may begin innocently as an innocent mistake, but all too often, man, they end in violence. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Corey, but one of the things to take away from all of this, right, is that all of these things that we're talking about, it's all, they are providing either conveniences for us in some way or providing some sort of assistance, right? And, and we can say, you know, assistance is a convenience. And I believe a fundamental truth about life in general is convenience comes at a cost, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they, yes, these things are fantastic. To your point, they are, they're ones and zeros. They're inherently not biased, but anytime you accept convenience, you're giving up control, right? And, and so, you know, you as an individual have to make that assessment for yourself. How much convenience do you want and how much control are you willing to give up? And how much are you constantly auditing the convenience that you're given at what cost and, and constantly making that decision and that evaluation for yourself? It's much easier to read a headline and then share it than it is oh to actually yes. click on the link, read the article, yes. think critically about the article and decide, is this something I really want to share? Maybe is this, is this real? Maybe I should go, go to Google and see if there's two or more, three more sources out there that have actually reported this thing. Yeah. It, that is much more difficult than saying that headline makes me mad. Dislike share, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Convenience. It's it's all a spectrum. Yeah, yep. I keep seeing the comment on those threads. You know, did you read the article? Read the article. I'm like, nobody's yeah, reading yeah. the article. Yeah, I I love Joel that that line. I heard you say that line. I I think it may have been with my boss Scott Klazowski, who I mentioned earlier. But uh, it was the the part about that. You know, you should read the news sources. If you're conservative, you should read liberal news services and vice versa. Because I just I think that is just such a phenomenal idea. Right. And at the end of the day, we should be reading new sources from across the spectrum. Right. It's that convenience. Right. But, but keep, so yeah. that's the that's the convenience thing again. But keep going. I mean, because it, it gets back to this issue of we can be good bias filters, just not good at our own. And we now need to begin intentionally becoming bias filters of algorithms and the biases they're giving us. These things inherent bias. And so we need to start them better. But some of these things are out there. Can, can they be corrected? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? That's a good question. Can you redesign the Facebook algorithm and, and make it so there's less echo chambery? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if I have the answer to that question. I, I'd be lying if I did. I, I'm sure there are ways, you know, you could remove the like button. And that would solve a lot of this. You could, and I'm just using Facebook yeah. as an example, uh, but you could reorder what people see in their posts. And, and they're starting to do some of this. If I unmatch with somebody who shares a lot of fake news, Facebook's going to understand that I really don't want to see this stuff. So it's going to pull that stuff from my feed, right? So I'm not going to see... A lot of a lot of that maybe it's it's liberal media or conservative media. I think the redesign can happen, but I, I think it's also an awareness thing. Mm -hmm. These tools are not going anywhere, and in fact, they're going to become more involved in our lives. You look at Surrey and Alexa, and you start combining all of these algorithms, 
and they do make things more convenient. They do, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Right? Would it would it be if if it's my anniversary and my you know my AI my my bot knew that it's you know it's my anniversary and knew the type of flowers my wife liked and just went ahead and ordered them? It's pretty darn convenient, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. But yeah. there the downside are there, but it's it's so it's awareness of knowing when you're being quote unquote duped, right? Mm -hmm. When you're being when manipulated. I might say by an algorithm because the algorithm is just trying to please you in please trying to please you. It is manipulating you. Mm -hmm. And that is awareness. And that is critical thinking and media literacy. We need to be teaching those things in yep. schools. We don't teach. We teach to tests right now. And that is the exact opposite thing of what we should be doing. We should yep. be, <laughs> yeah. we need to be teaching critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And, and yep. they're not. And then media literacy. We we have given kids a smartphone where they have access to an insane amount of content. We give them no skills to handle that content. We right. just we hand them a smartphone and say, hey, go have at it. Have fun. Yep. And there are no skills to say, how do I manage the fact that all this content is being thrown at me all the time and I have to, my brain has got to decipher it in some way. Joel, if I could answer your question, I think the solution to this problem is not going to come from the systemic side. Mm -hmm. It has to come from the individual side. People have to be aware. They have to be educated to Corey's point. And then you have to make that decision for yourself on what you're going to do, how you're going to evaluate it, how you're going to... The baseline is algorithms are data driven, right? So the way you make the algorithm better is you either A, feed it better data or you quit feeding it to some extent, pull out, right? Is it awesome that some AI bot tells me, hey, it's your it's your anniversary. Oh, and by the way, we already sent your wife flowers. Corey, I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm reacting yeah. like that's good in the sense my wife's not going to be pissed because I didn't forget my anniversary, but like is it from a relationship standpoint, being a former marriage and family therapist, is it really good for your relationship that you didn't remember your anniversary and yeah. you didn't remember to send your wife something, right? Like from a relationship standpoint, I want to remember that. I want to purposefully give something to my wife. So it is a convenience, but it's retarding my relationship with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. and, then I, and then I tell Alexa, you know, and get something nice for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, right. Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Corey. It's educating people to this, right? And, and I think that's what's happening. That's the positive thing, right? We're seeing a lot more outlets that are educating people to what's going on so that they can, I mean, they can be made aware and then, you know, and then the decisions there's on what they do with it, right? If they, if, you know, I'm scared for what the next generation, how they're going to, how they relate. I mean, kids these days can't even have face-to-face -face conversations with people, adequately right it's there there's legitimate i mean you see kids sitting in a room and they're legitimately two feet from each other and they're texting each other rather than having a conversation we just went through a year 14 15 months where we didn't even let kids have face-to-face -face conversations right? exactly and, yeah yeah but kids are a little more discerning about technology too i, I hope uh, the hopeful side of this fact is who's sharing the fake news <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's not the kids. It's, it's the boomers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, that's true. Very true. To some extent, some millennials, but and they grew up with this technology. Yeah, and they're really good at 
the TikTok videos, the, the the creativity that they're able to use. And we've talked a lot about social media on this podcast, but the way they use it can use social media, the way they use YouTube is so creative. Uh, and if we open that up, there could be some very wonderful things that come come from it. But absolutely, we have to be aware of the balance between yep. these technologies and go outside and play. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hope someday, you know, the kids will go and I, I'm the kids, I sound like a, the 80 year old man here, but, <laughs> Get but <up> my lawn. <laughs> you know, kids will, will kind of go, okay, all right, I've had it. This is a ni- this has been fun. It's a nice tool, but let's, uh, you know, that's a nice toy, but let's, let's try something else. And maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's hopeful, but finding that no. right balance. And as a parent too, it's, it's so important in raising, I am not a parent, and Drew, to your point, I'm also not married, so I don't can speak on neither of those things. But uh, <laughs> on on getting your wife an anniversary gift, but parenting today, it's just so vastly harder, I think, than it probably was, uh, you know, when we were kids. From where we started, I have to think is somebody's listening to this saying, "There's no way that's true that all these different things are being, <laughs> you know, determined or or influenced or manipulated." And to now. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can see that now. And we've talked about individual responsibility, taking on the onus to think more critically about the way in which the technology and the digital tools you're using may be not serving you as well as you think because algorithmic bias. The person sitting on the couch, let me watch something Netflix, got their phone in their hand. What do you tell that person practically? to start combating these negative consequences of algorithms in our lives? Well, I'd say what's in your Netflix feed? Is it Mm -hmm. all superhero movies? Mm -hmm. Because if it's all superhero movies, you may want to just branch out, go watch a, you know, a rom-com or something, or go watch (laughs) an indie film. I'd say what what is on that phone in your hand? What is the content that you're seeing? Uh, is it all the same content? Is it different? Is it diverse? That's and really good. I would. A lot of it too is just having conversations, you know, and to get to the echo chambers. Go out and and meet people who are different than you are, and spend time with people who look different than you do, and who think differently than you do. Uh, and don't do it on Twitter, because <laughs> because <laughs> right. that's you know you can you get you can go and get in a Twitter fight with somebody, but that doesn't solve anything. Go out into a community that's not like yours, and maybe find a guide, somebody who's in that community, who can guide you through that community and break bread with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Corey, thanks for joining the Digitally Connected podcast. Love what you're doing. Great TED talk. Well done. Can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Well, I appreciate you. This has been fun, and and thanks for for all you guys do. Love this, love the podcast, and love the idea of just getting technology and explaining that these complex yeah. topics and how they're impacting our lives so dramatically. Because that is awareness that we need to have. It shouldn't just be the technologists that understand these technologies behind them. It should be all of us. We don't have to be coders. But in some way, we have to understand how this is working and how this is impacting our lives. You've been listening to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew Null. Make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new content we'll be dropping regularly. 
If you enjoyed the content today, give us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.